Today we'll be discussing the controversial comedian Matt Reif, and we'll be discussing gynecomastia. This is Doctor versus Comedian. I'm Doctor Asif Doja, and this is the Doctor of Laughs. Ali Hassan, I'm tripping up over controversial comedian Matt Reif. He's he's embroiled in a little bit of controversy, but he's not like, you know what I mean? Anyway, not a real doctor. Ali Hassan, as he said, every episode I pick a topic for Ali from comedy and entertainment, and I question him about it. Then Ali picks a topic for medicine and health and grills me on that topic. Today we'll be discussing the controversial comedian Matt Reif, or perhaps the controversy surrounding There you go, there you go. Then we'll be discussing gynecomastia. How are these two topics related? Stay tuned to find out. You want to let people know what gynecomastia is in a nutshell? It's uh, males developing breast tissue. See, we have some people who need to hear those words in order to stay tuned. Now they'll be stay tuned like even more if that's... Stay tuning. (laughs) Stay Stay tuning. tuning. (laughs) The phrasing is bad here. Did you know about Matt Reif? Like for the last, you know, I would say four months, he's really blowing up. When did you come across Matt Reif? Yeah. So I, it's relatively recent for me. I heard about him maybe a couple months ago. I just, I heard there was a comedian who's becoming very popular on TikTok and social media. And you say relatively recently for me, but I think that can be, you know, by his own admission, that would be how every one of us can mm-hmm, be described. Mm-hmm. You've either not heard of Matt Reif or you've heard of him recently. Those are the only two <laughs> options, with the exceptions of, you know, a few of his friends who performed, you know, in Michigan with him and in, in, in L.A. as he's been coming up. He's been you know, working for the last 12 years, but he himself says, you know, it was, it was hard for him to sell out one-nighters across the country. Yeah, so let's talk a bit about this guy and why, you know, he kind of has blown up in the comedy scene. And I say comedy scene very loosely in the the, the comedy world. I'm not sure, you know, quote unquote, real stand-up comedians uh, necessarily have that much, you know, kind of respect for him. But let's talk about that. I want to get all these thoughts about this. So this guy, Matt Reif, he's 28 years old. He says he's been doing comedy for at least 12 years, so since he was a teenager. And, you know, it has been his job in terms of what he's been doing. And he's had some television shows. He's been on Brooklyn Nine-Nine. He's been on a couple other things. Yeah, one episode of Brooklyn Nine-Nine, we should say, and one season, I think, was it a full season of Wild and Out? On, I think it's HBO, Wild and Out. Anyway. And he, he yeah. was doing, there was like a Total Request Live TRL yes, on a, MTV. A there was a That's kind right. of rebooting that. So he's been on a couple of those things. And I grew up in Ohio. And he, as a teenager, decided to try comedy after his grandmother won tickets in a radio station contest to see Dane Cook, another very controversial comedian in some ways. Ali, he's controversial mm. because of what reasons? Well, people just don't seem to, comedians, I should say, certainly many of them don't like Dane Cook's style of comedy and ask, you know, is that comedy? But Dane Cook opened up a whole new audience of people to stand up comedy. And you can, that is an indisputable fact. I mean, people who are not really going out to comedy shows were coming out to arenas. And I feel Matt Reif is doing something similar. I think a lot of his fans are people who don't really know anything about comedy. 
Yeah, I totally agree. And yeah. Dane Cook also accused of stealing jokes as well in the past. When you say as well, do you mean that Matt Reif has also been accused no, of stealing jokes? No, good point. Okay. No, I just meant it was covered on a previous just show. just want to place that as well in the That's right, right place. Not yes. saying that about Matt Reif. We'll talk about his comedy content in just a few minutes. So he saw Dane Cook, liked it a lot, liked the energy of the show. And of course, Dane Cook, as Ali is implying, found a lot of fame through the internet, right? We're talking yeah. in like the, the uh, 2000s, uh, early 2000s. What was the name of that? MySpace or was it? Oh, yeah. The other one where you uploaded. Uh, not Napster? Napster? No. It was, yeah, like, yeah, maybe not Napster. It was, it was MySpace. Yeah, yeah, I think it was. Yeah. So then Matt Reif started doing open mics and he's been kind of working his way through the comedy ranks. And as Ollie was saying, kind of touring around in the US. And he was, sounds like he was just like your average touring workhorse comedian, just kind of going, doing shows, not making tons of money. And so, so much so that he uh, tried to get into Just for Laughs. And we're talking like 2022, summer 2022, uh, for Just for Laughs, which is a huge comedy festival, for those of you who don't know, in Montreal. And Ali, for Just for Laughs, that's I would assume that's pretty hard. Like you send in your stuff and it's pretty difficult to get in in general. It's by no means a walk-on, you know. Matt Reif could get, now Just for Laughs would love to have Matt Reif be part of Just for Laughs. Yeah, they're begging him. Probably. Given his uh, following. But yeah, no, it's not, it's not a walk-on. It's not that easy, certainly. Yeah, I mean, from what I see, he wasn't complaining that he didn't get into Just no, for no, Laughs. No, no, it was no, just, yeah. it's a fact, right? That he didn't. And on paper, that fact makes sense. You're just kind of another comedian at that point, what, 10, 11 years in, who's not really known. So yeah, you're typically not going to get into Just for Laughs. So I guess what he did was he just flew up to Montreal and just said, you know, I'll just go during the time just for laughs is on, maybe try to hit some small comedy clubs, do a little, you know, if I can get in for a couple of sets, then who would just do that? I'm assuming. And I guess a lot of people do that, you know, to network maybe and just take it in, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, exactly right. And I guess while he was there, he decided to post just some of his crowd work on Instagram and TikTok. Now he posts stuff all the time. So this wasn't a new thing for him to do, but for whatever reason, this bit of him interacting with a, a woman in the crowd took off and he got like 20 million views within like a few days. And he just kept doing it and they kept getting millions of views and just people found him funny. So a lot of it, so this is one of the key points is a lot of the stuff he posts is crowd work. Uh, that's not necessarily what his stand-up is, but that's what he posts a lot. So have you seen a lot of this stuff, his crowd work and in terms of what he's posted, Ollie? I've seen a ton of his crowd work. And I will say, and I'd like to keep this as positive as I can, and it won't always be that easy, but with regards to his crowd work, he has an absolute skill for crowd work. He works very well off the cuff. And that would explain why he was on Wild and Out, which is like a, a you know improv show. He's got a fast mind. And I think the thing is that what we now have, I'm getting off topic a little bit, but what we now have is this whole group of young people who think that Matt Reif invented crowd work. And no. like some comedians, yeah, people who don't know anything about, I'll tell you a story that involves a comedian that you know, Asif, and she was in New York, and she was at a club. She was just sort of in the back talking to the bouncer, to the doorman, and this couple gets up and comes to the doorman to complain about the comedian on stage, and they say, 
he's doing this comedian on stage right now is doing Matt Reif's material. And the doorman and our are the person we know, this comedian, turn around and look at the stage and the comedian's literally doing crowd work. Hey, what's your name? Where are you from? What do you do for a living? And this is what I'm trying to tell you, that you have this massive group of people who know nothing about comedy. Matt Reif is their introduction to comedy. And that is good and that is also bad. That's not a great thing for Matt Reif. It's also not a great thing for comedy in general. So as I say, there are definitely people who think he invented crowd work, it's his thing, and it is a thing many comedians just do and have done for many years. Todd Barry has an album of just crowd work out years prior to this. The reason, and I think I should give people some background on this, the reason you see so much crowd work on the internet is because... You want to ideally, as a comedian, save your material for a special. Exactly, you don't want to I burn the your exact material. Same thing. You He's so smart doing that because yeah. if yeah, because if you use up your good material, then people are going to go to your show. Like yeah, I already heard that on Instagram. Yeah. And you need to have content every day, which is the other thing he does, right? So yeah. he knows that you need to have content every day after every show, several clips you want to put on to feed your followers. So and of course he gets new material every night because he does crowd work. The other thing I'll say is you can tell he's been doing this for a while because, as you're saying, it is hard. It's, it's a skill to be able to do crowd work. I mean, that would terrify me if I was trying to do that as a new – if I was a new comedian. You know what I mean? It would just mm -hmm. be so difficult. And so you know that he's had the reps for that, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So it is interesting. He's similar to Julie Noakley, who we interviewed last year, who was putting out YouTube videos for years and years, and suddenly she got one hit and it blew up. And so there is the sense of you still have to put in the work, like just because you post things to the internet doesn't mean they will. Now, they will take off, I mean, but there is the other aspect about Matt Reif, which is he is a considered a very good looking person, right? His facial features, he's in very good shape. Uh, you'll see many pictures of him online with his shirt off. He has muscles and abs and everything like that. And that may come into what we talk about in the second half. There's that as well. So it's a bit of a perfect storm of having some of the social media savvy, putting clips up, the crowd work, which is unique every, with every post. He's not repeating his jokes necessarily. And then just, you know. Yeah, and we should mention your comparison to Julie Nolke wasn't that they're both attractive people, even though Julie is very much a beautiful woman. What you're saying is something that you didn't go into the detail about, Asif, which is that Matt Reif was in Montreal at the Just for Last Festival, sitting with his agent and with a friend and was unknown and was contemplating, should I even upload yeah, this, this two video. and a half minute video of me doing crowd work? I don't know. It's so stupid. Should I? Shouldn't I? Should I? And in that moment, his career changed. He put, he uploaded it. And in the next four days, he hit 20 million views. And now you're going to see a lot of Matt Reif wannabes from the posting of crowd work, hoping for the viral thing. And sometimes it's just lightning in a bottle, you know what I mean? And sometimes, yeah, it is fair that you bring up his looks because what do we know? That could play. Sometimes high cheekbones do play a role in certain things, right? And I think that's fine. I think you still have to be funny, which I guess is what we'll get into. Yeah. You can be as good looking as, you know, 10 out of 10 model. But so I guess maybe the irony is, you know, male comedians often maybe not that good looking, present company accepted. Thank you for that pause and that moment where I didn't know if I was going to have to shut down my laptop or not. Yeah, 
Yeah, I think we're 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 broken people in a few in a variety of different ways. And a couple of the more handsome guys that I know on stage, there is a bit of a struggle there, right? Like them going like, "Yeah, you know, it's hard." You know, my then people are like, "Shut up, it's hard." What are you talking about? You're handsome and you're young. Shut. You, you don't know anything about hard. So yeah, there is a bit of a struggle, and in the end, finding the funny might be a little bit tougher for stand-up comedians who are you know conventionally attractive. So let's, I guess, talk about his specials, because that will feed into some of this controversy that's been going on. It's all kind of interrelated. It really is. He has a couple of specials. Uh, there's one on Netflix that came out in the past year. And I listened to, I watched that one. I listened to one called Only Fans, which is from a couple years ago. So I'm curious what Ali thinks about him. I think he's fine. I think some of his jokes are funny. A lot of them are not. And some of them are a bit well-worn material that I don't find that unique. It's very interesting, though. He says his two biggest influences are Dave Chappelle and Ricky Gervais. Mm. I think it's a bit because they both talk about taboo kind of topics and push the boundaries. Both of those guys, I do sometimes feel push the boundaries just for the sake of pushing boundaries, which maybe they can do because of their platform. I'm not quite sure about Matt Reif. I'm not sure he succeeds in that. But similar to Dave Chappelle, I think Matt Reif is actually a very good storyteller. When he tells a story, there's a hilarious one about a Ouija board, his OnlyFans special. It goes on for like 12 minutes. It's not like the story about what happens when he meets a girl who wants to, who likes Ouija boards. And it's really well done. I'm like, that is his talent, actually. I know and he's that's from his OnlyFans. OnlyFans, yeah. Matt Reif OnlyFans in 2021. Correct. Yeah. Yes. His more recent one, I didn't really love his stories. I didn't th quite think that they were that good. So what do you think about him? Well, I have some theories here, man. So if you look at, you're talking about OnlyFans. The reason I brought up the year, people are like, why am I being a stickler for the year maybe? But I think this is an important thing to consider. In 2021, he had this special, Matt Reif OnlyFans. And then in 2023... February or April, I should say, or at least that's when it came up on YouTube, Matt Reif, Matthew Stephen Reif. It's a, you know devoted to his, his grandfather. I mean, for me personally, and look, there's a couple of issues I had with the, with the special. First of all, the issues I don't have, it's uh, produced by Eric Griffin and Paul Aaliyah, both fantastic comedians. Eric Griffin in particular, quite a veteran. Paul Aaliyah, who I follow, who's a friend of our friend uh, Dave Merhej, very funny dude. And they they sort of came up together, he and, and Matt Reif. So I think it's great. He had, uh, you know, Paul in his corner as well. I found the venue to be this insane, massive, cavernous place. I found it really lacked intimacy. You could still be in a very large place and it's still intimate. I found the lack of intimacy was, it felt like that was going to be a challenge for him to cut through. And then also, you know, I mentioned those years because, you know, sometimes you've been doing comedy for eight years, let's say, and that's when you finally have like a really strong half an hour. Mm -hmm. really strong. You can travel mm -hmm. with it. You can take parts of it and put it on, you know, if, if you're going to do a TV special, if you do it. So he had three specials over three years. What that means to me as a comedian is that his most recent special, the one on Netflix would not have tried and tested material. It just wouldn't have as much material. And that's exactly how this special felt to me. 
I don't want to, uh, you know, pile on the hate train for Matt Rife. Good for him and for his success. But honestly, it felt like kind of strong open micer. It felt like an open micer who had his strong moments. That's what this felt. And I think that's because he probably blew all his very strong material that he'd been working on in the last two specials, which were mm -hmm. very recently. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is, since his second special, which also came out this year, he's been really working on the crowd work thing, right? Like he doesn't just do crowd work and upload it. He has another cameraman there on stage filming the person in the audience. So you really see, like he's really, really dug into this crowd work thing, filming audience members. Once you're doing that, your mind is distracted. You are not the same type of road comic, just constantly writing new material. And so if I assume that he writes his own material and all that, he's at a disadvantage, but he's also like, Netflix wants me now. I need to do some jokes now. And I'm sure he, you know, got the help of some people to write his jokes, which there's absolutely nothing wrong with that, but it didn't feel like very road tested. It felt a little bit weak, the material to me. That's the best thing I can say. I wouldn't disagree with that. I do think he had some jokes about a monster under the bed, which I thought was actually pretty funny. And he had sure. some callbacks with that. But again, I'm picking and choosing because there were a couple of things that I, you know, I, I did think were genuinely funny, but a lot of some things that I thought were a bit, like I said, well-worn or well-trod. So, or trodden. I'm not trodden, sure. Trodden, trodden, please. Yes. So, but that's... <laughs> But this gets into this recent controversy he had. So he has this joke. I'll just, I'll try and say it. Basically, he opens up his most recent special that you're talking about, which is on Netflix, called uh, Natural Selection. He opens it up with a joke where he went to eat at a restaurant and he's seated by a hostess and the hostess has a black eye and his friend has some sympathy for the hostess. And then his friend is like, well, maybe she should go in the kitchen so nobody has to see her face because of the situation with the black eye. And then Rife says, yeah, but if she could cook, she wouldn't have that black eye. So this is like a joke about domestic violence, I guess. And then he kind of makes, he calls out that, right? He, as they say, lampshades it, right? He's like, I figure if we start the show with domestic violence, the rest of the show should be pretty smooth sailing after this, yeah. right? Yeah. And then he kind of laughs to himself. So you can see this is like, especially a Ricky Gervais type of joke, right? Where mm -hmm. he's kind of trying to be provocative. Mark Maron, I guess, commented on this and basically like, yeah, but it still has to be funny. I'm paraphrasing Mark Maron, but like, yeah. otherwise it's just hacky material. That's, I think what Maron says. And was it funny in Mark Maron's opinion? No. Okay. So I think it all comes down to, and I don't know why people are making such a big deal about this with this joke. I mean, not that domestic violence is nothing to laugh at, but can you make a joke about anything? Is anything off topic because, or inappropriate? Because I made a list of the other things he makes jokes about in his specials. School shootings, special needs kids, Down syndrome, KKK, homosexuality, pedophilia. This is past specials. Past and the current one. So, right. so I'm it's like, like, you're getting the Matt Rife that Matt Rife is, right? And if exactly. you- Exactly. I think what happens is, and look, man, it's not my style of comedy. It's a lot of punching down, which I, you know, we have a full episode on, on what that is and, you know, my personal feelings about it. I didn't like the special. I don't like the type of jokes. It, it wasn't really my thing. But at the same time, 
Matt Reif doesn't owe me anything. Matt mm-hmm. Reif doesn't owe you anything. You, meaning the broader public. Matt Reif can do whatever he wants. And then you, if you don't like Matt Reif, you don't listen to Matt Reif. And that's the end of that, right? But the problem, of course, comes because people are like, well, me doing a little boycott here is not enough because he's filling arenas. And he very much is. 600,000 tickets sold in the span of like a couple of days for his like worldwide tour. Mm. You know, he'll have his moment and who knows where it goes from there. But a wise comedian once told me when somebody's having their moment, let them have their moment because one day you might have your moment as well. And one day their moment might be over and it's like this business is fickle enough. Let people have whatever they're having. But the internet is definitely displeased, but it's like, well, you didn't know Matt Rife four months ago. And now you all of a sudden know him and you don't like him. And it's, it's fine. He doesn't owe you anything. But they are also coming up, when I say they, the internet, Matt Reif grabbing Zendaya's face without her consent. Video has resurfaced. This is from many years ago. Mm-hmm. And nobody talked about that for seven years or whatever it was. And now it's. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he has a whole bit on, it's not really a bit, it's more of a rant on, you know, people criticizing him on the internet. And yeah, the problem is he doesn't block people. He gets into arguments with them. And yeah. but I'm like, dude, you're just fueling this. That's why they're doing it because they have a famous person with 20 million followers now interacting with them one-on-one. Sure. Like they're winning in this situation, but I don't know. I mean, uh, listen, I can't live his life for him, obviously, yeah. but yeah, I know there's an interesting, New York Times article, which we're linked to, which kind of at the very end of it has a little, I think, sly dig towards this Zendaya thing. I think it's very subtle, but I think they're trying to get at that. So, yeah, I think, listen, do I think he's that funny when I go seek out his specials? Not really, but I do like his storytelling jokes. I think that's his strength and his crowd work. You know, it's something to watch, I think, on social media. I think he does have some skill in it, but yeah. Yeah, I try not to be too hateful about Matt Reif's special because it's not funny, but he's 28 years old and burned through a bunch of material. He's, you know, doing Mm -hmm. what he can with what he has. And it's not very much in this case at this point in time, but nobody will ever give me back the time I wasted on Chris Tucker's Netflix special. I mean, I need that. Somebody owes me some money for that. That was awful. And Chris Tucker has many, many years in the comedy business. And that was, I don't know if you watched that special. No, I heard it was awful, but oh, I God. think- So I've seen my fair share of awful uh, stand-up shows. Like they just exist. But I think if we get back to something we mentioned earlier, I think his looks, his skyrocketing fame and his confidence, it's just this like perfect storm for people to want to hate even more. But then of course, women in particular- right? Young women in particular. He says in this special in Netflix, he's like, if I had more male fans, that joke would have done really well. He Mm -hmm. says something about a joke. I can't remember which joke he was telling. And you can hear these women just like going, woo, during punchlines. And Mm -hmm. it's like, he goes, I met this man, Leroy, when my, I don't know, grandmother was in the hospital. There was another guy across and told me about his life, you know, and he, he, he had hiked across the country he had climbed five mountains and people like whoa and then cheering for a leroy who climbed five mountains like it makes no sense these are completely unaware underexperienced comedy audiences but this is what he's got the one thing i will say just before we wrap on matt rife the one huge challenge here if there are broader implications for his his work it's this idea that 
he films the crowd doing crowd work, as I mentioned, right? Like he'll be like, what's your name? And then there's a camera that goes on to that person and people love it. They're watching a skilled crowd worker and they're, they're into what he says to them. But the problem there, and this is a problem I would say many comedians would have, is that sometimes you get on stage and you've got stuff you want to work on. You are working on your jokes. And some people are more joke purists than others. But in general, that's what stand-up comedy is. It's like your, your jokes. And if you have a quote-unquote Matt Wright effect, which is people from the audience yelling stuff out at you, that is in large part. You know, the majority of comedians would say that is incredibly annoying and nobody wants really anything to do with that, right? There's some comedians who are like, well, this is my audience. This is what they do. This is how I'll handle it. But if then you take that audience and they go to another comedy club and they're like, oh, this comedian sucked. All he did was like talk. From that perspective, I'm glad Matt Reif has comedy specials because it's like, hey, this is what it's supposed to be, by the way, just for your own information. And of course... If you're going to watch the Matt Rife special, fast forward 15 seconds right now. His mic drop was, you know, the least earned mic. It wasn't a great mic drop. That wasn't, I don't know, that did nothing for me. But then it was followed by crowd work. His mic drop was mm -hmm. like, they say, I only do crowd work. Boom, yeah. mic drop. And then it's like outros of him doing crowd work. I'm like, what are you doing? You just, weren't you just trying to prove something with your, anyway. Good luck to this dude. He's having a moment, and we will talk about this moment for many years to come, I'm sure. So, Ali, for our second part, speaking of moments, as you were talking about, there is a moment in his OnlyFans show, in his comedy special, where he talks about having this breast surgery... And it cost him $9,000, and he has a joke about he should have just gotten implants. That would have been $10,000. Yeah. So the question is, what did he have, and how would he have developed this? So I don't know. I know he said that joke. That is true. We're going to assume that's a true story. I don't know for sure. It could have just been making that up too. But if it was true, what do we think he has? I don't know, but I could theorize he may have this disorder. I talked about it in the intro gynecomastia. Have you heard about this at all, Ali? Any information on this? I didn't know that that was the name. Gynecomastia is a new, and did I even pronounce it properly? Gynecomastia is a term I've never heard, but I definitely know about certain people who, men who grow breasts. Often I've seen that it's related to weight gain in general. Is that the case with Matt Reif, or is that something? Is this something else completely? And it was related to just his breast and not yeah, the rest of it. Yeah, I don't think it was related to everything else. So they call that kind of like a pseudo gynecomastia. So it's that's just because you've gained weight, and of course you go to gain weight everywhere, including your breast tissue. So that's separate. This is like just let's pretend someone who's like thin, but is developing kind of breast buds, breast kind of tissue, and who's male. So we're not talking. It has nothing to do with transitioning or anything like that and taking mm. supplemental hormone. It has nothing to do with that. And obviously it is simply a condition that affects certain people. What are we looking at? How yeah. many people, how often? So we're talking, first of all, it's this proliferation of glandular breast tissue. So not just fat, but the actual breast glands. And you'll oh, have wow. a rubbery firm mass that extends kind of concentrically around your nipples. So it's common in three age groups newborns, 
teenagers and older men. Again, we're just talking about men, males, right? So up to 90% of newborn boys will have some breast tissue, which is palpable, secondary, so you can feel it. And that's because, I don't know if you noticed that, now when you think about some male babies and you have two boys, you actually, they have a kind of a, like a very tiny amount of breast tissue mm-hmm. like underneath their nipple. And it's because women have estrogen and that will be transferred through the placenta to the boys. And so you might see some of this breast tissue, but that goes away in several months, usually by about four weeks. As the estrogen is cut off. Exactly. It's coming into your system. Exactly. So that's one group. Yeah. Adolescent males, they say up to 50% of adolescent males will have this at one point, usually around age 13 to 14. So now we're talking puberty, right? And because what happens is as you're going through puberty, you can have an increase in what are called sex hormones, right? But you'll have an increase in one called estradiol. And if you just have that increase in estradiol, that will be estrogen and kind of feminizing features like breast development. And you also have free testosterone that's increasing. So sometimes the testosterone increase can lag a bit behind the estradiol. So when you have that relative lagging behind, then you might, for a transient period of time, develop some breast tissue. Very connected to puberty. The puberty is the trigger that results. Exactly. And sometimes you also may just have an increased sensitivity in your actual breast tissues to normal male levels of estrogen, because all males do have estrogen in their bodies, just at low levels. So maybe your breast tissue is more sensitive to that. So that's also a possible. Now, if you have this adolescent gynecomastia, it's called physiologic gynecomastia because it's part of basically normal puberty if it's occurring in mm. 50% of people, it usually resolves within six months to two years. So this will be a common thing someone might see their family doctor for, but usually we just reassure them, okay? Then I said that it's in an older age group as well. So you get this final peak in men over 50. Right. So Matt Reif's was puberty related. Well, we'll get to that in a we'll second. We'll get to that. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'll answer that in one second, but let's just finish with the older sure. men. So this again, they think maybe it's because your testosterone levels go down, but it's very frequent. There's a study of hospitalized men. So they basically went around to a bunch of men who were hospitalized and who were between 50 and 80 years of age and just looked at their breasts basically with consent. And they said 65% of those people had some sort of gynecomastia. Again, maybe some of this was weight-related. Who knows? But anyway, that's an interesting statistic. But getting back to what you're asking, so you could have persistent pubertal gynecomastia. So it's the one that occurred during puberty, but it didn't go away. So if it persists for two years after it first starts to occur, or persist past 17 years of age, this would be a persistent puberal gynecomastia. So that's a possibility for Matt Reif. I don't know. Again, this is all theoretical that maybe he had it. It never went away. And that's why he would still have this breast tissue as he got older. So the causes so far, there is, you know, for newborns, the cause is the estrogen in their body. For young boys, it has to do with puberty. Mm -hmm. And then what are the other causes for men having it at different times? 
Yeah. So the other thing to think about, other than just that peak that we were talking about in the people over 50, is there could be other causes. So medications are a huge one. And so there's some prostate cancer medicines that do it. So that could also be obviously in people over 50. Antiretrovirals that we use for HIV. And the one that I use the most and I can see it the most are antipsychotics. So antipsychotics, things like a respiridone that you may have heard of, which is also When you say you use the most, you're obviously not talking about yourself, but also what conditions- Why uh, am I using these things? So, yeah. so because I don't see patients with schizophrenia or psychosis in general, but they act on dopamine receptors. So they have some other effects as well. One of the effects is uh, it can sometimes help with behavior. So kids are very aggressive behavior. It can sometimes help, even though they're not psychotic or have schizophrenia, it can help with that. But I use it them the most in patients who have Tourette syndrome or tics. It's actually one of the treatments that we can use for Tourette syndrome or tics because it acts on dopamine receptors. Okay. And, so, and so I have to counsel people that this gynecomastia, this breast tissue development, is a possibility on this medicine. And of course, that will discourage a lot of people from taking it. There's other side effects as well, but that's... Now, of course, if it is due to that and you stop one of these medicines, then you'll get regression of breast tissue, usually within about three months. So it is reversible if you have it. So there's other causes as well. So cirrhosis of the liver, you know, obviously, especially due to alcohol use, that can sometimes cause it because your sex hormones are often metabolized through the liver. So that could cause a problem. Some tumors. So in general, testicular tumors are rare, but you can imagine testicular tumors could cause a problem with your hormones and then can cause gynecomastia. There was one study of 175 men who were referred to a breast surgeon for gynecomastia, and they found a testicular tumor in 3%. So not a lot, but not zero, you know? So it's probably worth checking out. We'll talk about that when we talk about what your doctor should do if you see this. And if you have a thyroid disorder, hyperthyroidism, so an overactive thyroid, 10 to 40% of men with hyperthyroidism will have gynecomastia. And then, of course, we talked about the weight, but that's more of this pseudo-gynecomastia as opposed to uh, the true gynecomastia. But one of the things that you may have heard, so Ali, have you ever heard of any other celebrities who have had this? No, I mean, you've got those buff bodybuilder men who are able to flex their pecs in a way that most human beings can't. And you wonder, once they stop working out, that'll probably turn to sort of like breast tissue, but I don't think that's what we're talking about here, right? Is that? Well, no. So that's very interesting because it is associated with bodybuilders. Somebody else who is alleged to have it, though I could find no reputable non-tabloid source, it says is Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, like the famous actor slash wrestler. They say that he had to have this breast surgery like 20 or so years ago. You know, I'm not saying he did steroids either, by the way, but it does occur in steroids. So what happens is, you know, with steroids, you take testosterone, right? That's what you're taking, the anabolic steroids. And the gonochromastia occurs because you're trying to remove all this excess testosterone. Because when you break down testosterone, it turns into estradiol, which I mentioned before is a type of estrogen hormone. So while you're trying to break down the testosterone, you might end up increasing some of these other female sex hormones like estradiol, and you could get enlarged breast tissue with that. So it's kind of a weird thing because you think, well, you're taking testosterone, so why would you develop that? But that's why it can be a side effect for bodybuilders. Is that a factor in Matt Rife because he's in such good shape? I don't know. I have no idea whether... He does or does not do steroids, but it can be seen in bodybuilders. So 
as a doctor diagnosing this, is this just simply a visual thing? You see it and you know exactly what it is, or is there more testing than that? Well, usually you'd start off with that. Your doctor would examine you first. And obviously, if you're in one of these age ranges, then it might just be expected for that age range. It's usually on both sides, so bilateral. But sometimes it could just be on one side, which would be a bit unusual. And it's usually left-sided for some reason. Don't ask me why. But if your doctor sees it, they may, depending on your age, I think if you're a teenager or a baby, they probably wouldn't do any tests. If you're older or out of those age groups, they might do a liver test, right? Look for cirrhosis. They might do a thyroid test. And if those don't show anything, then maybe they pursue some more hormonal testing. They probably examine you in other areas like testicular exam, right? To see, could you have a testicular tumor? There are some kind of red flags. If the breast size is greater than five centimeters, that's called macromastia. And then you, that sometimes can be a bit concerning or at least maybe an indication for surgery, which we can talk about in a second. A tender lump or progressive, like keeps getting bigger, 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 that might be a bit worrisome. Or if it's a hard or fixed mass, or if you have lymph nodes involved and lymph nodes, like you can feel your lymph nodes, it could be cancer. Men can get breast cancer as well. We don't think about it, but they can. So you should see someone if you're, again, out of these age ranges or any of those kind of warning signs, and then they should assess that. So you mentioned that Dwayne The Rock Johnson had a surgery for it. Allegedly, Matt Reif had the same thing, I think. Is that what you're saying? That's what he says in his special. special. And is that the main way to go about this? Or is there medicine as well that takes care of this? Well, most people actually don't need any treatment because, again, we talk about in babies, it goes away. In teenagers, it usually goes away. And even in older men over 50 who have it, about half of them aren't significantly bothered by the symptoms. Either they don't care cosmetically or there's other things that they have to worry about. So obviously, if you have due to a medicine, then you could consider coming off the medicine. That might help. There are some medicines that you can use to reverse the symptoms, but you need to use them pretty early after you've noticed the gonochomastia. Although you mentioned some are like cancer medication, retrovirals for HIV, so you can't really come you off You might those. not be yeah. able to do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's the problem. So these medicines that you can use, one is tamoxifen, which is an estrogen antagonist, or clomiphene, which is an anti-estrogen. So you can use those to kind of combat the breast tissue development. And they can be effective, again, if taken early after the symptoms start. But sometimes you have to do surgery, or you can do it. It's called a reduction mammoplasty. So we use that for patients who have this macromastia, so that large breast tissue over five centimeters. Or if you had the persisting gynecomastia and you maybe you tried medicine, it doesn't work. I have no idea. A, if Matt Drive is this is the exact condition and surgery he had, or if he tried medicine or not, I have no idea. But, you know, some people just don't like the cosmetic appearance and that might kind of, you know, have some psychosocial effects too, right? Like you might feel insecure about your body, not want to go outside with your shirt off or for men go to the beach, etc. So it could be a reason for that. Surgery is pretty straightforward from what I understand. So that is an option for some people who want to improve from a cosmetic point of view.
So that's our episode for today. Let us know what you guys thought about the episode. Have you guys heard of Matt Reif? What do you guys think about it? Are we all totally off base here? Or does everybody find him hilarious? Let us know. And maybe we want to talk about some other comedians who have recent specials. Or maybe we revisit that Chris Tucker special that Ali was talking no, about from a few years ago. Can't watch ago. it again. <laughs> no? Can't watch it again. It's no, already wasted an hour. Anyway. Okay, yeah, exactly. fair enough. And let us know about the gun capacity. Did you find that interesting? Again, this is all a theory that maybe that's what Matt Reif was talking about in his stand-up special. But let us know, drvcomedian at gmail.com, drvcomedian on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. We are everywhere. Ali, anything to mention in terms of plugs before we get out of here? People can go to the website, especially if you're around Toronto. I'm staying close to my home in Christmas time, but doing a number of shows over the holidays. So yeah, you could check that out if you're in the area and then, in the new year, there'll be some touring and whatnot starting back up. Okay, awesome. Remember, though, that although I'm a doctor, I'm not your doctor or Matt Reif's doctor or Dwayne The Rock Johnson's doctor. Medical issues, we talk about it for your interest and information only, and they're not medical advice. Please consult your medical professionals for actual medical advice. Thanks for listening. Bye. Thank you.